Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast. I'm Connor Whiteley, bringing you with psychology news, articles and other interesting psychology related articles. Here I can find the podcast notes and more interesting psychology related things and you can get your free 8 psychology book box set at connorwhiteley.net. Now let's get on to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 178 of the Psychology World Podcast with me, Colin Whiteley. And today's episode is on how to prevent burnout in autistic people and what is Spoon's Theory. And it's Saturday the 12th of November 2022 as I record this. So, I was actually rather surprised when I found out that on the podcast, we haven't looked at autism once. We've not looked at anything to do with it whatsoever, which actually really, really delighted me, surprised me, because it's a very common condition. It's a condition that I've had tons of friends with, I completely messed up like that sentence, but you like get my gist. <laughs> so I'm actually quite surprised that I've not covered it before now though. But today like we actually are, so we're gonna cover burnout and also the spoons theory, which is something that's actually very interesting and you can actually apply it to tons of different conditions. So, if you're interested in uh, clinical psychology and autism, then uh, this is definitely a great podcast episode uh, for you. But I also think that even if you want to become a clinical psychologist, and even if you don't want to work with autism specifically, I still think that Spoon's Theory is actually quite a useful like, a tool though to actually have in your arsenal. So I really think that it does help to explain some things that your clients when it comes to giving them a bit of like psychoeducation. So very interesting stuff coming up. So moving on to the psychology news section, we're reading from the British Psychological Society Research Digest. So the first one is the psychological effects of your morning coffee. Many of us use a coffee to help us get going in the morning or to add a little zing to a flagging work day. But caffeine doesn't just boost alertness. Recent research has found stimuli can help people react faster to moving targets and even in improve memory. However, as Emmy Young explains, caffeine can't solve all of our problems and in some cases can have less than a desirable psychological effect. So I won't go into the article too much more, but two of the things that she mentions is that the first undesirable effect is that as we covered earlier in the um, on the podcast, that having um, coffee before you go out shopping can actually lead to an increase in impulse approach signal. So well, that isn't exactly um, ideal. And then another, well, it's not quite an uh, 
well, it's not quite a um, negative or positive, though, but it's uh, the fact that um, caffeine actually has absolutely no impact on that creativity. So um, if you're a creative person and you have coffee to try and make yourself even more creative, you probably aren't doing anything, uh, yeah, but like anything at yourself, though. So that I thought was actually quite good. And besides from that, there's actually not a lot that I can actually say. But I will keep having my morning coffee, just because it's just a habit. And to be honest, I just think, I don't know though, because I only really have coffee in the mornings, in the evenings, when I'm sure some people are like having a heart attack about but I like to have a, a Tesmo um, in the evening, and then I sometimes have it throughout the day. Yeah, but only like once throughout the day. So, well, the second one is, stressful life events lead us more aware of a partner's negative behaviour. Periods of stress can have a detrimental effect on our interpersonal relationships. When we're stressed, we're less able to control invitations towards our partners, for instance, and worse at communicating with them. Now, researchers have found that stress also affects the kinds of uh, behaviours we pick up on in our partners. Newlyweds who have recently experienced more stressful life events pay far more attention to the daily changes in their partner's negative behaviours, but not the positive ones. So this one I think is actually quite good though, because my brother's, yeah, because my brother's getting married in um, two weeks uh, today actually. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so um, weddings are very stressful from um, what I hear and from like, what I can say. Can see though, and um, yeah, but I think this is large, and yeah, I think you can relate this to everyday life because if you're stressed, then you do tend to pick up on the annoying stuff about other people. Of course, it's not ideal because this can lead to fights, <laughs> the fights, and you being seen as the bad person because you're picking up the bad habit. But yeah, it's an interesting one, and I don't know, um, I guess when you're stressed, it might be good to bear this in mind, that your partner isn't being more annoying than normal, necessarily, it's just you being able to pick up on it. So yeah, so maybe try and like bear that in mind, but I don't think we can. So what the last one is. Two-year-olds can judge the reliability of their own word knowledge. Ask a child under four whether a word is familiar to them, or whether they know the name of, of an object, and, and typically they will find it hard to tell you. Researchers have partaken this to suggest that young children aren't too sure about the reliability of their knowledge of their words and their meanings. In other words, they lack metacognitive awareness in this area. But an intriguing new paper dis- 
right, disputes these uh, claims. Using eye-tracking methods, researchers have found that even at this young age, toddlers do make judgments about how confident they are in their understanding, even if they can't explicitly talk about it yet. So, but this is actually quite, well, quite a good one though, because the thing that I'm getting out from this is that we're taking these claims and we're actually trying to not necessarily disapprove them, but actually test their scientific um, rigidity to actually see, like, are they true? And of course, in our science, truth is a very loose term though, because we can only like test and falsify claims that were and that we are actually proving these suggestions or in this case possibly falsifying them. So very interesting, very good and to be interesting to just try and think about some of the large implications of this because if these children do know what certain words are, they just can't say it, then I think you've got two options. You either guess what, why do they know it, but they just can't say it, but also, you could have possibly, yeah, well, like, guess, well, whatever I could do, this means. And because my knowledge of the developmental psychology is not as advanced as required like, for this question, I'm actually not going to go into it any more than that. So, I hope you enjoy the psychology news section. So, let's move on to the personal updates. So, moving on to the personal update. This week has been another very busy week for Bobby for University because I've been doing like tons of like testing still. Or still there were like there was a social last night and there was quite a lot of other like good things things there were but nothing to really like report on. But the only thing that I will report on though is that if there's any um first or second year university students here <laughs> when you sign up to a study and if you can't make it Please email um the researchers because <laughs> it is I don't know it's not it's not frustrating well actually yeah because it yeah okay no, because it's just a bit like frustrating though because on Monday we had a participant who was meant to come in at eleven to twelve it like came like a matter of time gave them about ten minutes fine fair enough people were late. I get that, <laughs> um, nothing, well, at like half past, I like email them, and then we didn't hear from them, so I just cancelled them, and I just deducted, um, credits, like, from them, so it was a bit, like, frustrating, though, but if you are the, like, um, that's, like, a college student, just try and, like, bear in mind that, um, it is a bit, like, frustrating, like, for the researchers. <laughs> and, to be honest, it's just a simple email where it's actually, like, really kind, because uh, I also had another purpose to cancel 
is a week because of like trainer strikes and that you couldn't like get to university yes that was fine fair enough and I just um did it as a like a excuse no show just they didn't lose any um credits so as always I always love to your thoughts and feelings on today's episode so you can always email me conwiley.net you can always leave comments at the show notes at conwiley.net forward slash podcast and you can always tweet me on Twitter at SciFiWiley. I always love to hear from all of you because it really helps make the podcast feel more like a conversation. And you can always leave a comment on the Facebook post at Conwiley Psychology Author. And speaking of developmental psychology, from the psychology news section. Section. Well, today's episode has been sponsored by Developmental Psychology. So, well, this is a really good sponsor for today's episode because not only does a Developmental Psychology goes into tons of really interesting depth about um, the topic because it talks about like brain development cognitive development and also how um play like develops in like children in addition to literally tons of other great areas it also looks at theory of the mind and autism so if you really wanted to build upon like today's episode and actually like learn more about like um autism then definitely check out this uh, great book about that as normal is written in my easy to understand and uh, conversational tone. So that is developmental psychology, available from all major ebook retailers, and you can get the payback and the hardback version from Amazon, local books, or local library if you request it. But if you didn't want to buy a book, be so willing to give the podcast a bit of like one time support. Then you can have buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash conwitely. So let's move on to the content part of today's episode. So uh, moving on to the content part of today's episode. So we're going to be talking about how to prevent burnout in autistic people and what is Spoon's theory. So I really enjoyed today's episode, and this is rather different, uh, but even though this is a rather different podcast episode, uh, this is still a very uh, good one, and you will definitely learn like quite a lot out of it though. So well, let's dive into it. Introduction to Autism Burnout and Spoon's Theory as you probably know from your own life, everyone only has so much energy to use on work, socialising and their everyday life. But autistic people have a lot less energy for these sort of things than neurotypical people. As well as, it is also extremely important to note that autistic people might have a lot more energy for certain things, for example, any of their special or restricted interests. 
However, it tends to be the things that people call the daily grind, things that has the potential to float our senses. And it is this that autistic people find the most draining. Leading writer and, and speaker Christine Masnada to come up with her spoons theory, and this is most commonly used to explain what it feels like to have a limited amount of energy, and because of this, a person has to make choices so that they can hopefully avoid or minimise fatigue as well as burnout. While she originally used this theory to, uh, to uh, explain her own uh, chronic illness, it has been adopted by the autistic community to explain the similar, uh, similar energy limitations that autistic people commonly face. What is Spoon's Theory? The theory always starts with the idea that people who face a chronic um, illness of another condition, which in this case is autism, start off for their day with a set amount of energy, or in this case, spoons, as well as this is in a direct contrast with other people without the, the condition, who could have unlimited spoons and amounts of energy. Following this, after a person does something, they will use up one of their spoons, and once they've used up a spoon, it's gone, and they are unable to get any more spoons to replace it. Additionally, by doing certain tasks, there is a chance that a person might end up using more than one spoon for the task. For example, a person might have to load the dishwasher and that uses up one spoon. But if a person has to write a psychology essay, <laughs> then that might use up two spoons. And come on. I think we can all uh, agree here that uh, some psychology essays, they are just painful to write and they really are draining. Yeah, I definitely think I'm going to have that feeling um, in the next week or two. The entire point of this theory is that uh, a person only starts off with so many spoons and uh, once they're gone, they are gone. It's important to note that even when autistic people um, do something that they enjoy, they still use spoons. A possible practical implication and, swap and swapping spoons for pedals. Yeah, some clinical psychologists, mental health professionals and researchers like Claire Jack, a PhD, have decided to take this idea into the real world and have replaced spoons or spoons with something else. Instead, some clients prefer to think about spoons as pebbles because the great thing about this is that you can have a jar full of pebbles in the therapy room with you. 
Then, if you're doing some uh, psychoeducation with the client, you can literally show them how well this theory works using the practical egg, uh, egg example of uh, taking uh, pebbles out of the jar. Of course, uh, nothing on this podcast is there uh, for any uh, sort of like official advice, but it is an interesting idea. Additionally, it has the added self-care benefit of helping us to remind us all not to push ourselves beyond what our bodies can cope with, so we can hopefully avoid burnout. What happens when a person has no pebbles left? When a person has uh, used up all of their pedals, then a uh, person is uh, more likely to have meltdowns, they uh, feel overwhelmed, and uh, reach a, a stage when they're too fatigued to do uh, much of anything. One of the reasons for this, and a bad habit that uh, people do when they're burned out, is uh, to keep doing things, uh, things that require a lot of energy. And people basically pretend that they have an endless supply of their pebbles. This only leads to greater exhaustion, fatigue, and burnout. As well as the real risk here is that this fatigue might last longer and to take the person greater effort to recover from compared to if they simply faced up to the fact that they should have. Had a break earlier due to the lack of pebbles. Personally, I do understand this section because there have been so many times when I felt fatigued, but I've just like pushed on because I wanted to be productive and I had to be really productive. Then later on, I found myself even more fatigued and exhausted. And this lasted into some of the next day. Therefore, I really have learned the hard way, the hard way that you need to listen at your body, and when your egg exhausted, you will need to stop or face the consequences. Also, but for people without these conditions like myself, we have unlimited, well, more or less supplies of uh, pebbles or uh, spoons, and it's good to acknowledge that people with these conditions get frustrated that they have a limited supply. They don't believe it's fair, right or good that they have to consider conserving their energy. So that when we meet people with these conditions, we need to be mindful of what they can do. Of course, only after they tell us what we can't do, but we must never ever assume that you cannot do something because of a condition without finding out if they can't, if they can't do it. And that's just a like, little um, snippet from the Mental Health Capacity Act. I know the Mental Capacity Act. Yet, we also need to be mindful and to help accept that it's okay that they only have so much energy and isn't something to be ashamed of. Preparation is the key 
and how to replenish pebbles. I truly believe that this goes out for everyone listening or reading this podcast episode, but to prevent burnout, we need to prevent ourselves from using up all of our allocated amount of pebbles. Of the course of this week, very hard to do, but it's important. Nonetheless, if we all really use up our pebbles and and we are completely fatigued, then we need to realise what do you need to do to replenish your energy. This will be different from everyone. You might want to read a, a good book, take a walk, be in be in a kind of a complete silence, or do something else entirely. And there will be all the things that we can't a, avoid, like a university, parenting, or work. So in this case, we should probably ditch the things that we don't need to do, and thus stop these things from draining us even more. Conclusion. I have to admit uh, that uh, this was a rather different, uh, different uh, podcast episode, uh, episode from the normal, but uh, this was needed. I really wanted to do this episode because uh, we needed to look at autism, how autistic people's lack of energy for everyday grind impacts them, and most importantly, how to help them. I'm sure that there are listeners of the podcast with autistic family members, and if that's you, then I really hoped for this help. If not, then I hope that you still found uh, this interesting, and that uh, you will never know, but you might be able to uh, apply this idea for spoons and uh, pebbles and energy levels to your own life to prevent burnout. So um, I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode and uh, that you got something out of it. I know that I definitely did uh, because now that we've looked at autism once, we will definitely start to look at it a year again though in uh, the future. So uh, that would be very good. And I've actually got a lecture on autism on Tuesday, I think, or the following Tuesday. So, if you know someone who would enjoy today's episode, then please share it with them. I'm always really grateful when wonderful people help us spread the word out about the podcast. And if you wanted to learn more about today's episode, then definitely check out Developmental Psychology, available in all visual places. But if you didn't want to buy a book, be someone willing to give the podcast a bit like one time to one, then uh, definitely check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash conwhitely. So have a great day everyone, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to see the show notes, then please go to conwhitely.net. And if you want a free Ada book psychology box set, then please go to conorwhitely.net. Have a great day and I'll see you next time.